podcast. I am your host, Vero Fuerte, and here with me, I can actually see his face this time because we mm-hmm. are doing this via Skype, is my buddy and right-hand man, Ricardo Mexicano. Say hi to the people. The one and only. I'm cuter than, <laughs> your, I'm cuter than your ex-girlfriend. Bro, bro. <laughs> I tell you what, though, I'm surrounded by animals right now, and, like, I never thought that I'd be a cat person, but, like, I, I've told you that uh i'm staying with a friend right now and her cat he and i have bond- she and i have bonded man like mm-hmm. it's, it's true love i never thought that it i feel like singing celine dion songs to it right now the love mm. of song. i never i never owned a cat i've always liked cats i never had a problem with them but i've never owned one and all the ones i've ever been around they've always been pretty uh they were been pretty cool i've had like a couple you know that I just you know outright mean and just want to scratch you or bite you uh, speaking of at-home experiences, I actually got to, a chance to talk to my little sister yesterday who went to her first grave visit. This is going to sound really morbid, but I promise it's not a grave visit the other day mm-hmm. uh, to, you know, visit her uh, grandmother for Dia de los Muertos. Right. And it was such a really cool experience for her. And that was actually one of the first times that I can remember her actually celebrating the holiday because I know that some Hispanic families really get into it and some don't. So, for instance, uh, we don't celebrate the little muerto at all. Never, I've never celebrated once in my life. But I'm not Catholic either. You know that that you know the little muerto tied into the whole Catholic Catholicism uh, be- belief. And I feel like I'm very unique when it comes to like a lot of things because I grew up very religious. But I wasn't Catholic, and you know most Mexicans, you know, predominantly are Catholic. But I never grew up Catholic, so I'm like one of the rare. I'm one of the rare ones. I'm not the only one. That there's there's plenty of us. But we were were. I grew up in that sect of a Hispanic household where we're overly religious. But because we didn't pertain to the to the Catholic Church, we there were certain things that we just didn't do. You know, like mm-hmm. we don't we don't do we don't do communion. We don't do uh you know Dia de los Muertos. We don't do uh confession. We don't, uh, you know, just uh, there's a lot of things that that are so st- not, not not so much stereotype because they do happen. They they do happen in, in the Hispanic family, but it's almost like there's certain things that you do while growing up as a Hispanic that become almost second nature. And for me, it's just it wasn't even brought up because it was never supposed to exist within my type of life. You know, when you say stuff like that, I get so sad, Ricardo, because mm-hmm. I mean. Here, okay, so I don't feel bad for you as far as the confession thing. I always thought confession, you know, to each his own and the whole, because I grew up, uh, like, um, under the Catholic religion. So, you know, I feel like I can say such and such and such about it. Uh, But I was never a big big fan of confession. I don't understand uh, the concept of it, pretty much. But the fact that you never got to celebrate Halloween and... Like, like the fact that you had to be super, that you were raised super religious, but not, you know, it just, I don't know. It just makes me sad. But I guess, you know, when you don't know, uh, when you don't know what you're missing, you know, right. it's, it's normal. Yeah. It's like I told you last, uh, last podcast, um, yeah. you can't miss what you never had. And for me, it was just like, okay, I, I like the, uh, I think I like more of the aesthetic. I remember, you know, growing up and watching. Like I really liked the episode, of like the Halloween episode of Lady McGuire, where it was mm-hmm. my Miranda celebrating a uh, Day of the Dead with her, with her family. And I really like yeah. like all like the little the Katrina and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I like the Katrina. I like I like I like the messaging behind it about honoring the people that have passed away. I think for but I think the only difference between me 
And that whole day and experience of that, there's not really a need for a label, you know? It's kind of it's yeah. kind of like, it's kind of like if you want to do that, go ahead and do it. You don't need a day for it. Yeah, but I don't really like that concept either. I don't know. Why? I I I love it. Wait, wait, did you say why? Yeah. Well, why don't why don't you like it? I mean, like because why did they, why why did it take a day for you to remember the the people that you you could apply that to, because you could apply that to just about anything. Yeah, you, you could apply to any holiday. Out of I, it. Like, I'm, I'm, you could I'm, apply I'm, that I'm, to Christmas. Like, why celebrate, I, you know, for some people, why celebrate Jesus? I'm, you know, I'm, when I'm, you could do that all year round, you know, I'm, what's the point? You know, I'm, what the point is to celebrate. The point is to to put an exclamation point on it, you know, and to, like, really bask in it and to, like, outside of all the other distractions in your day-to-day that make that be like the focal points of that one day that you really think about and that you really focus on. And the reason that Dia de los Muertos, well, one of the reasons that it means so much to me is, I mean, obviously the messaging behind it. And um, because a lot of people, you know, that just don't know will still consider it, still out there consider it the Mexican Halloween, which is not what it is at all. Mm-hmm. It's it's about the concept of you know uh, honoring your uh, uh, honoring your loved ones that have passed away and you know feeling like not only are they still with you but passing on stories about them while they were living so their memory li- lives on you know and I don't know if it was you or somebody else that I was talking about this with and that uh, we were uh, and that we were saying that you own, that you die twice in your lifetime once yeah it was me yeah, yeah. Oh, okay 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 it was you laying down yeah. those lines. Yeah, yeah. It, it was that you uh you die twice in your life once the physical death and the second time is when your your name is spoken for for the last time exactly exactly yeah. and the other los muertos combats that because so long as your family is still remembering you and telling stories about you then you're still you know in a sense you're still living that i mean in the other los muertos for me is always like sort of like cured my weird existential thing i have about death it's made it more of a celebration mm-hmm. than something to fear you know, right. it's it's really like turned it on its head for me. And that's that's really helped me. And part of the reason, even if it wasn't uh, a direct part of my culture, which it is, uh, it's part of the reason why I love it so much. Yeah. And I think that's a very um, that's a very uh, drastically different from how I grew up, because in my in my set of uh, Christianity, the way I was brought up is that this body is not to be remembered and celebrated what's remembered to be celebrated or is your is the spirit you know so mm-hmm. the whole concept of the other muerto isn't really a thing because you know there's no there's no this is just a vessel pretty much what's what, what we're supposed to honor is you know the spirit you know the who you are after so as long as you know that's what we remember that's all that really matters this you know you're going to to uh to visit like a family member's grave while, you know, the sentiment is nice. I was kind of brought up to think that there was really no need for it because what's important is the spirit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I get that. But you're such a contrarian, Ricardo, because I get what you're trying to say. Why? Visiting the grave is not about visiting the vessel. It's, it's in a physical sense, but you're, but the reason why you're visiting it is because you're remembering the spirit that was inside of there. No, no, no. I know. Yeah. I I get that. I think it's just more of the uh, it's hard because it's, it's a very uh, it's a lot of perception behind it. Mm-hmm. And when you see it, you know, it can easily be misconstrued as you honoring the the person, the physical person that's in the ground. 
Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah. But I can understand what you're saying, too, as well. Yeah, yeah, I never thought about it that way. But, yeah, no, I feel it, I feel it. But what I was really curious about is that you told me that you wanted to talk about something today, the concept of Hispanic parents, because I know that a lot of times when we talk about the way that we were raised, and this is what's really cool about it is that people think that, you know, just like being black or just like being any one particular culture, that people think that being Hispanic is a monolithic thing. And obviously, like, just hearing... Uh, you and I talk like we were raised very differently uh-huh. you know, um, in, in regards to our parents and stuff. So you see that it's not all one in the same. Right. 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 Uh, and yeah, and my topic that I want to bring up consisted more of uh, the expectation that maybe your parents, your family had of you before you even became who you are now. It's pretty, it's pretty, uh, yeah, it's very esoteric, but I promise that it's more simpler than it sounds. So okay. <laughs> because where our parents came from is such a vastly different way of living culture wise mm-hmm. that I think the majority of parents don't really have a concept of what their child will be once they're fully developed. Mm-hmm. So as much as you grow up in this Hispanic household and they're going to pass down what they know, there's a, there's a completely different side, you know, of America that they've never been exposed to. And this, and, this, and a lot of this applies more to like first generation um, yeah. Hispanics because you're getting, you're, you're soaking up both, you know, you're soaking up the American side and you're also soaking up, you know, the Mexican, Salvadorian, Honduran, Colombian side, you know, what have you. Mm-hmm. So because of that, there is almost like this hidden, hidden gem of, of, uh, of being like a, a Mexican American or, you know, whatever, a Latin American uh, in the United States that is almost unknown to your parents. Yeah. And so I wanted to pose the question to you and then I'll, I'll bring it back to me is, do you think your mom and you're, and you're a little special and you're a little special because your, your mom kind of grew up here. So she, so she, she not, not, not the whole, whole life, but for the majority of her life. Um, so she kind of knows what it is to kind of grow up on both sides. Mm-hmm. But do you think they first, foresaw you becoming who you are as far as like your interests, your likes, your hobbies, um, who you hang around with, who you listen to, you know, stuff like that. It's like, uh, especially when it comes to like uh, immigrant parents or something like that, they know what it's like to be Mexican, but they have, and they've, maybe they've seen like on TV or just through hearsay what it's like to be American, but they've never yet experienced or, or been around someone that is Mexican-American up until they raise that child themselves, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, I have never really thought about that before, but I do know that um, with my mom, I don't think that she ever anticipated having, in fact, I know that she never anticipated having a daughter like me okay. um, for several reasons. Uh, but um, if we're talking strictly culturally, then it would be because, Growing up, she would try to instill in me um, a lot of the more traditional things that in the um, that in a lot of ways that I rejected, you know, just like a woman's place in the household and different things like that. I mean, not all bad things, but also like when I was younger, you know, I like uh, I was a way pickier eater, you know, and I didn't like spicy food or any of that. And now I can't get enough of it. And and so there was that, there was women's roles, there was, um, there was, I 
and to this day, I'm trying to be better about it this past couple of years or so, but mm-hmm. she would play like Mexican music in the household. And I didn't really, even though like I recognize the songs, like if you play them, I will know them. I don't know the name of the artists. I don't know if it's seventies Mexican music or eighties or like what genre it falls into. Mm-hmm. So, and at the same time, while I was in this, uh, while I was in the house experiencing like my culture for what it was and what one, what my mom was trying to put on me, you know, uh, like things like the concept of quinceañeras and stuff like that. I was also going to school and, you know, um, experiencing, you know, like the American quote unquote lifestyle from there. So, so what ended up coming out was a very tomboyish girl that had more American than Mexican in her than I think my mom was ready to deal with at the time, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that when it comes to Mexican Americanness, for me, it became very cyclical. You know, I feel like now I'm going full circle. You know, it's I started off, you know, raised in a very, very um, Mexican Hispanic household. I sort of rejected that through like a good majority of my teen years. And now um, in my later 20s, I'm coming back and I'm like, um, and I'm like uh, uh, reinstating a lot of that in my life and trying to get to know myself better and who I and my family am through the Mexican culture. So um, for a good chunk of that, at least in my teenager gym, um, uh, I don't think my mom, um, I, th- I, I, could, I could probably say that my mom was pretty discouraged with how much I rejected everything, you know, mm-hmm. and maybe that was just like part of being a teenager and part of being rebellious and all of that stuff. And I want my own identity and probably, and, yeah, yeah. And, um, and now it's like, now as I get older, it's like, yes, I'm going to be in America for what I imagine the rest of my life, more or less, mm-hmm. you know, and because of that, I need to know what my roots are. I need to, I need to recognize where I come from and who my family really is and like and why the things that are so important to us and the things that have always been important to me. I want to understand why they're important to me, you know, and why they're important to the people that I love. If that answers your question. No, no, it does. Yeah, for sure. And I think I think the reason that this question even kind of came up in my head is that while my mom was uh, visiting over here over the weekend, I just kind of for like a like a split second just kind of like thought about what was going on mm-hmm. and just how they operate in such a still very traditional way and right. i just kind of and i kind of just stood there for like a good like 10 seconds where i'm like like man they're really still the same not in a bad way but they're like they're still at their at, at the root there's still this mexican and salvadorian uh people yeah. that yeah that that you know really you know come from the dirt you know that really do their thing their way because that's what they know how to do. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of like sat and I kind of just stood there and I'm just like, man, like my dad doesn't know what a podcast is. Yeah. My dad, my dad doesn't know what a vlog is. Yeah. He, he how, do you describe, how do you describe to your folks? What, like, I do you can't. Radio? I, I, like, do you tell I, them they're on the radio? I can't. Like I tried to describe it to my mom and I was like, <laughs> it's like a, I was like, I was like, it's an interview, but we're just talking. That, that's like the best way I can. I could like describe it because it's impossible. Like stuff like He's this. He's like, okay, mijo, whatever you, whatever you say, mijito. Yeah, 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 exactly. Principe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like. <laughs> 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 I, 
I don't know. Like, I don't really bring up stuff like this up to mm-hmm. I'm not, not saying I don't bring it up of what I'm doing, but I don't really get into the, the, the nitty gritty. I don't get into yeah. the detail about me having to ask her, like, hey, what do you think about what I do? You know, for her, it's, you know, she's pretty accepting for most mm-hmm. things. As long, as long as it's nothing dangerous or, you know, harmful, she's pretty, you know, accepting and just kind of like lets me do my thing. I mean, I'm, I'm a grown person. So I can do whatever I want. But, you know, I still kind of look for that um, validation almost in a way. Yeah. Just, just, just to kind of like let her know, like, hey, this is what I, this is what I do with Veronica, you know, occasionally. Or still, I don't think she understands like the concept of like me making like beats and stuff like that. Like I've shown her like beats, and like well, I've always wondered about yeah, that, you know, how I've, your traditional Salvadorian yeah. Mexican parents feel about you being a hip hop god. Yeah, yeah. Like I show, I show her beats. <laughs> I show her beats, and like, and I, I in the car, and then like she'll hear it, and she'll like be like, like this you. You know, like in Spanish, you know, like, uh-huh. like, like like this you and I'll be like, yeah, that's that's me. And she and then she just kind of like, she, she kind of like side eye me and be like, that sounds that sounds good. And I'm just like, thanks. <laughs> you know, to, to, <laughs> and that's just, the extent of her critique, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I know I, I know she's being sincere, but like, yeah, I know. It's just because there's a part of me that I don't even see myself how I got to this point, you know, mm. about you know caring about hip hop the way I did about doing a, a podcast with you doing podcast with minority agenda like it's it's mm-hmm. so it's such a it's such a distinct evolution in my life and a very you know remarkable one for me because there there are things that i never uh foresaw for myself yeah and i always kind of just go back and think like man i wonder if my mom or dad ever thought of me ever you know from the navy to uh, what I chose to do in college, to working at the KLTV, to doing this. Like, I don't think that they really... That this is what my offspring's going to turn into. You yeah, know, in their yeah. mind, they probably think like a reliable, stable job when they right. first gave birth to you was, oh, he could be a doctor or a lawyer or, you know, right. own his own business, you know, and they don't they don't know what you do now, but they respect it, you know? Right, yeah, because I, yeah, I don't want to sound mean or cynical, but I don't think they really, and this is not to, like, say that they're a bad parent, but I don't think they really believed in me to do anything in life. Mm-hmm. At, at, least that's the, at least that's the feeling I got. I don't, think mm-hmm. they, I don't think there was ever this expectation for me to succeed in this, in this exceptional way, you know? Like you mm-hmm. just said, it was more about, you know, as long as he's stable and he can find a good job, that's all that matters. I think that's the expectation they had in their head. I don't mm-hmm. think they had this high watermark for me to be like, oh, you have to achieve this. Uh, you have to be great kind of thing. I more so put that on myself, you know, as maturing. And I kind of like figured out my role in certain things and what I'm good at and how I can influence other people to be good at their job. And, you know, vice versa, you know, us just me linking up with different creatives like yourself and just being able to do, uh, you know, just just amazing dope stuff. So. Yeah, I mean, and I don't think that it's any like uh, any uh, demerit towards your parents that they thought that way if they did. When you come from the bottom, our parents, because I I understand what you mean. And I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that my grandparents, if not my mom, thought the same thing of me, had a roof over your head, uh, food on the table, uh, a wife a couple of kids and that you could pay your bills, you know, and to us, I mean, for the longest time, that's the description of the quote unquote American dream, you know, it's just for us to be able to survive and be comfortable. But so to them, to your parents and to 
And to my mom, who also sometimes doesn't understand the things that I want to do. You know, I've just now started having conversations with her when I try to explain to her what my dreams are and what my goals are. And she says, and she's starting to kind of get it. She still gets frustrated with me because she thinks that I'm like overshooting, like uh, like overshooting my shot. But I'm like, mommy, that's just how it's got to be sometimes, you know? Yeah. I think like with them they would have been happy if we were just stable in paying our bills, you know, and because to them, that's the dream. And to us, it's like, we've had a taste of, of like what could be different. And, you know, we mm. want something different for ourselves. And sometimes it's difficult for them to understand. Right. And I think kind of like to put an exclamation point on this topic is that, uh, I remember Dame dash. I remember one time he did a breakfast club interview and he said, uh, I, I hustle for my last name. I don't hustle for my first. And, hey. and that, oh my god! Yeah, you know, uh, and that really hit me because I'm like, I, w- I always think back to that, and there's there's other people too, but that's that's yeah. one that stands out to me, and I think back to that a lot because I always take time to like be very appreciative and like sit down and like meditate, think to myself like, for my grandparents, for my uncle that I never met, like I'm doing this for y'all. I'm showing yeah. y'all how far I could take it. Like even for though even sisters, yeah. yeah 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 like even though we never met. Uh, and it's it's almost like bringing a tear to my eye just just talking about this, but like mm-hmm. like there's a there's this this thing in me that always keeps me going for my parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles that are still alive. That not that I'm trying to prove something, but I'm trying to show them what 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 how far someone who has a little bit of aspiration can take it. Yeah, kind of thing. Like I, I'm a, I always try to like show that hey, I'm not any better than y'all but i'm trying to make y'all proud you know? yeah you're trying to break through the proverbial ceiling that mm-hmm. that we put on ourselves yeah right like yeah like for like my dad who you know didn't make it past the fifth grade for my mom who didn't make it past the sixth you know mm-hmm. for for people for you know for just like that alone and to see that their offspring can like take it to like you know heights that they probably never thought themselves i could you know that's why i do it at the end of the day yeah, yeah, no, I feel that, I feel that. Um, and uh, the the reason why I love that so much, and I'm actually really happy that you started talking about that, is have you heard lately about uh, the Black Effect Podcast Network? I think yeah. that's what it's yes. called. Yeah, Charlemagne, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, so it came out right in August, right? Yeah. And I have just, um, I have just been so excited with all the different rollouts and everything that people have been saying about it because the fact that like obviously he didn't do it alone but the the fact that this concept exists you know the, the fact that it follows you know the fubu way of thinking it's people like charlemagne people like Issa ray that know that uh, just like you said are not doing it in just for themselves but are doing it for their last name doing it for doing it to open doors for other people. And that's the shit that gets me hyped. So uh, they have like sports podcasts and like different uh, mystery murder podcasts, you know. I really, I couldn't really tell you, if you were to like put me in a lineup and tell me what what's the show on there, I really couldn't tell you one. Because yeah. all, I know, all I know is like the rollout. And I know Charlotte may have been talking about it. I've seen his interview where he talked about it. But I really don't know the contest on there, to be honest. Yeah, I, yeah. I haven't and- checked it out. And maybe uh, maybe I should like save this for a good looking out segment on some other day, like where I go into a little more detail, because I'm just saying that that is just proof of concept over what you were saying as far as, you know, working hard to work, not just for ourselves, but for our last name and for and to hold open doors for other people. And that's something that gets me really, really excited when I think about it. 
Um, yeah, um, uh, people like uh, I mean, like Joe Budden too. You know, he has he has the Joe Budden Network now. Mm-hmm. Ever since ever since he lost the, uh, uh, not, not lost, but ever ever since he left the uh, the Spotify deal recently, he started off his own uh, little network now, and he's starting to get a uh, a different uh, creatives under his umbrella uh, to do to, to do the to do their own show. So now you know sooner or later. The more shows that are on there, it's just going to keep building and building this platform that he has. And, you know, Minority Agenda, just to kind of plug my, plug in my own thing because it's mine. <laughs> well, it's ours. I don't want to say it's mine, but it's ours. Uh, me, Isaiah, and Jacob. That's kind of like the that's kind of the the dream right now. We're trying to, like, build that that platform because we're such a diverse group and we're such a, a, a different array of characters, the way we – and personalities, the way we mm-hmm. interact with each other, that – I just see it. I see a vision. I'm like, man, like we're like the perfect fit for like that for Joe, but the network black affair, like we, that's it. That's us. You know, that's the yeah. future. Like, like when you look at us, like that's the future right there. Yeah. 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 And I, I guess I, I see the same thing similar uh, for you and I, but mm-hmm. in a more like a uh, Hispanic tiered right. sort of thing, you know, if we ever get to a point where, and one thing that I've gotten really tired of is I remember like for years now, ever since 2016 and uh, ever since about 2016, and I started to see the rollout of like black representation on media, like people like uh, Issa Rae doing their own shows and things like that, taking it from like YouTube concepts to actual like media companies. I've always said, you know, why doesn't the Hispanic community have something like that? You know, and you know what? That's always been on me because I feel so good that we do this kind of thing, Ricardo, because even though it's small now, it's it's about like where things lead on to and in the impression that you leave behind for certain people. And you never know, you know, what chain of events could happen that we could get something similar for our own people. And that's, what's really, really exciting to me, you know, to, to see that unfold and to actually be part of, uh, be part of the making of it happen. Even if like nobody, uh, even if like millions and millions of people don't listen to us at the very least, the fact that we were, we were part of it in some way, it's just like Mm -hmm. really awesome to me. Yeah, for sure. And like I like I say uh constantly, you know, uh we've been here and mm-hmm. there is a there's a, there's a plethora of uh Hispanic brown creators out there that are doing this, you know, but it's just all about now uh putting that spotlight on them and really making them shine. Mm-hmm. And really making us come together as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um but yeah, oh, speaking of podcast and Joe's uh, mm-hmm. You told me earlier that you did finish uh, listening to the Joe Rogan Kanye West podcast, right? Mm-hmm. I did. Mm-hmm. Thoughts, thoughts, complaints, Raven review. <sighs> you know what is funny? I feel like this is probably the first Kanye interview where I was kind of, I was kind of bored. Really? Believe, believe it or not, because. I've always enjoyed Kanye interview. I still go back to this day. I watch the the Big Boy interviews. I watched the one with the first one with Zane Lowe when 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 uh when Yeezus was coming out. I watched graduation era of Kanye interviews. Uh, say, you know the, the Pablo interview that he was doing. Um, this one for for some reason just struck me as off because as much as I agreed with him and a lot of like his vision as far as like what he wants to do if quote unquote he was to become president 
I think because it sounded like such a politically driven um, way of talking for Ye, that's really not his, I don't want to say it's not his character, because he's always cared about doing big things, mm-hmm. but just kind of like within the framing of, of it, and, and he was, and like Joe, and Joe Rogan pointed out that he is probably like the best, he he, he described things, he, he described political action in the most non-political way. It's what, yeah. Joe, it's what Joe said at one point, which I agree. Like, you know, like he was explaining things in a very normal, nuanced way that didn't sound or didn't yeah, sound partisan, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't know. Like, there was just some parts where I was just kind of bored because I'm like, I, I don't really know what you're trying to get across. And maybe it's because there's still a part of me that I'm like, 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 yay, yeah, like, when it, when is, when is this charade gonna be over, kind of thing. What do you mean? What do you think that he's charading? Do you think that he's faking something in particular? No, I think I think he wants to be president, but I just think there's not. I just I I it feels like there's still something missing to convince me that this is like a a a thing he really wants to do. I don't know what it is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like I don't know. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Did, did you? I don't know. Like, did, did you feel under underwhelmed? Did you? Well, no, I didn't feel underwhelmed. And the thing is, is that I, uh, I'm a really big Kanye fan. Like, uh, the Spanglish universe knows this. You know, we all know this, mm-hmm. uh, and we both are. Uh, and so I have a tendency. I'll admit that I go into interviews wanting and hoping that what he says justifies or at least explains or expound or clarifies some of his actions out there, like with uh, Twitter and everything else like that. Hi, Cass. Hi. Hi, we have a visitor. This is Cassandra. This is my friend's baby. Say hi. Hi. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, and so if that's a little biased, like I'll, I'll admit that it is, that it is, but with this podcast, it didn't really let me down in that way. I don't know if other people are expecting him to fly off the handle because he didn't really have any fly off the handle moments. He didn't have any, you know, he didn't got, he didn't have any, you ain't got the answer sway. Uh, he didn't have any of those moments. Instead, he right. spoke probably the most uh, concisely that I've ever, for the longest amount of time that I've ever heard Kanye speak. And, it's the first episode or the first interview that I've ever seen him where he seems super self-aware of how, like super self-aware of how people perceive him because there were so many times where Joe would ask him a question and he would, you know, sort of answer it but then kind of go off into another subject and then he would be off he's like, "Oh, before I get carried away." Like he knows he he's aware of the fact that he does that. And most of the time I feel like Kanye fans, including myself, sort of give him a pass for getting carried away because we think that he's not really aware of it or can't really, you know, um, is not as hyper vigilant or can't control it. But in this instance, you see that when he puts his mind to it, you know, he can be eloquent and he can be a decent communicator because he was pretty straightforward. And I don't know if that's the part that bored you, maybe, you know, no. It wasn't that because I'm I'm on the same boat that Joe is, where as far mm-hmm. as like you know how people are always saying that Kanye's crazy, he's off the handle, you know he does this. I'm on the boat that Joe is, where yeah. Joe's jo, uh, way of thinking is that Kanye's not crazy or unstable. 
And that's how I think. I'm like, I've never viewed Kanye as crazy or unstable. Mm-hmm. Has he had some some you know moments where it could perceive that way? Yeah, but I don't think overall he's losing it. You know, every second you of the day. He could be, but I don't think that 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 uh that has any effect on who he is overall. You know, yeah. I I don't I I've never you know on these Twitter rants on these uh these outbursts. I I feel like he's very self aware. I think that's the thing with me. I think he is very self aware of what he's doing. I just think that because he has such a different way of expressing what he feels that the reaction from it's just not very the, internet friendly. At exactly. least not snippets in, in Twitter verses. I just think the 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 yeah I think just the the reaction from society is very they don't know how to react almost yeah because of some of the stuff that's said or some of the actions that are done very volatile yeah right because but the and the reason why I, I view Kanye as, as being a very stable and sound person is because you know you don't do stuff like like Yeezy you don't do stuff like you know the Gab deal without being uh having some sort of you know. Sense to your sons. Yeah, sons to your sons. Yeah. You know, like like the stuff that he's been able to do since putting uh his focus into clothing and other projects, you know, it's it's amazing. So I just think for the most part, I think the I think the interview for me overall didn't hit because I'm just not that investment in, I'm just not that invested in the idea of him being president. And I think yeah. that and I didn't I think that was the the big turn off because I'm like I can listen to it. I can, you know, agree with some of his propositions, some of the things that he wants to do in life. And I'm like, that's great, man. I just don't really see see you for that in the presidential world, you know? Yeah. And uh, I mean, and I get that a thousand percent. I mean, I ain't about to like rock a vote Kanye T-shirt or a vote Kanye had anytime soon. Uh, so that's not what it is for me either. I think it's more that. And one of the biggest one of the biggest things that people have criticized him for uh, that I've heard is that they're like, uh, oh, the entire three hours. Yes, the interview is three hours long. Mm-hmm. Uh, the entire three hours, he's just like name dropping uh, this person, name dropping that. And uh, basically the, the people that used to like hold him to high regard are now ragging on him because of his high ambition of doing this. I don't blame Kanye for wanting to be president. I think that he has a lot of good ideas. I think that he could do a lot better without being president. I feel like that has way too much restrictions on it and that he could do a lot more. He's like Oprah in that sense. You know, he could do a lot more good without all the strings, you Mm -hmm. know? And um, I I hope that in time he sees that, that he doesn't need the, the, the clout power seat to to do the good that he wants to do like with Sunday service and everything like that that's awesome that's that's really great how he could be able to put that together I wouldn't vote him into office because for one he's way too much of a contrarian to like really really trust in a position like that and I just think that he could do a lot better without it and uh, in time in time I think that he'll he'll know that you know, but then again, I'm sure that people who told him that he couldn't rap when he was a producer, you know, said something along this line. So we'll see what happens. It'll be right. really interesting the next couple of years. Right. And uh, and, and Kanye, he's always been one to like name drop in like interviews. He's always name dropping. Yeah, he's all, I mean, yeah. look at the way he raps, like all of his songs, like he's he makes reference. That's why people love him. Like he makes references to Michael Jackson, to like Pharaohs, to everything from, you Supermodels. know, either. Exactly, exactly. That's just how he talks, not just how he raps. So I think that people were being way too overzealous and, you know, criticizing him for that. I thought that was bullshit. 
No, I, I didn't. No, I never. I didn't. I didn't see that honestly. But mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I can, I can, I, I believe it. I mean, yeah, yeah, people are always gonna find something to to criticize him about. And my, and my uh thing is that I don't think he cannot be president. I feel like mm-hmm. he's capable one day possibly of doing it. I just think now, from what I've seen, from what he's talking, it just seems very um. It doesn't sound convincing. Yeah. I, guess, I guess at the end of the day, like I said, one day, maybe like if I, if I can hear that he's actually putting forth like the best effort, then, yeah, I totally be on board. I just now it doesn't sound like it's something very feasible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially since he's so late in the game anyway. I mean, and uh, I mean, you can try to explain this to a whole lot of other people. But the point of the fact of the matter is, is that when people like to put themselves into like echo chambers and stuff, they're more than likely not to listen to that. Again, because Kanye is such a contrarian, if you don't like Kanye, you're going to be in the echo chamber that doesn't like Kanye and vice mm-hmm. versa. So, I mean, that's that's just part of it. I feel like when you know that this is the place where you're going to like. I don't want to say settle down because that always entails like marrying and like kids and stuff like that. But more so on the on the fact on the line that uh, this is gonna be the place that you can see yourself creating that home that home for you. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of like recently fallen into that into that mind state where you know I've only been here for two months now. Yeah, like literally yesterday was like two months. Uh, well, two months and like two weeks because I got here in August, but um. I'm kind of, and maybe, maybe, maybe this is like recency, uh, the the recency effect. Maybe it'll wear off eventually, but I'm starting to feel that this deep inner sense in me that this is where I will build my, build my name and build, you know, that foundation for oh, myself. Listen, yeah. Permanently, yeah. And I don't know. I've never felt this way. You know, it's it's something very new. Even though I've moved around before. This is like, uh, and this is still temporary for me. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be here for the job. You know, right now it's temporary. You know, it's only for two years. But I can still foresee myself kind of making sure that this is the place where I kind of want to, you know, call home at the end of the yeah. day. So, and with you, and, we, and with you, you know, moving in, you know, pretty soon, you know, counting other days, uh, I feel like you may experience this. You may feel that. You know, this is probably going to be it. You know, this is probably going to be where I will finally start to manifest everything that I wanted. Yeah, I mean, here's hoping that, and uh, I mean, uh, to be more specific, I guess here is Fort Worth, Texas. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's a big city life. Uh, yeah, and I'll be there in less than a week, uh, in just a little bit. I have lived in this area almost what feels like almost all of my life now in this really small town and uh, most of my family is here everybody that I know is here and leaving it all behind I don't think that it's necessarily hit me yet except in the fact that I'm obsessively spending as much possible time as I can with my little sisters Um, but I feel like leaving home and moving away from home. I feel like my mom is almost more aware of it than I am right now. I feel like I'm sort of like floating up in the air of like preparation and packing and, and, you know, like the logistics, I'm thinking about the logistics and I'm not letting anything really sink in. Right. Uh, My mom, however, like I'll catch her sometimes looking at me and she'll be, I can tell that she's probably more aware of it right now than I am. 
and uh, I'll probably give it a couple of weeks before it sinks in that I'm in like a place that's to me is very far away from home. Right. Um, but the whole reason that you move to a new lo- that anyone as a person moves to a new location uh, is yeah, for sure for the cliche fresh start and all of that, but also because because sometimes new stories require new environments. Uh, one of the things that are really that I'm practicing a lot with my sisters now that you know I'm getting ready to move is that we're watching a lot of like uh, my favorite shows and movies as a kid and stuff, you know, uh, just spending a lot of time with them as much as possible. Um, but that basically leads me to our favorite segment of the week is uh, Good Looking Out. Um, I kind of wanted it uh, for mine. I kind of wanted to keep it on a Dia de los Muertos theme uh, and different things like that. So for me, uh, actually, the exact movie that I've been watching is Dia de Muertos. And this is really interesting because I sort of stumbled upon this one. You know, of course, people already know you have Coco, you have uh, Tree of Life, um, sorry, Book of Life. Uh, so you have those Disney movies already. This one is actually, you can stream it on an Amazon extension. So there's this new streaming service. This is like a, a good looking out twofer. This is, there's a streaming service called Pantalla that came out in 2017. And basically it's an all Spanish content platform like Netflix, like Amazon Prime, like Hulu that does you know, Spanish language movies, Spanish language TV series and different things like that. And uh, I and it's uh, $5.99 a month. And it's actually really when I stumbled upon it earlier today, I was really, really excited because this is the kind of stuff that I've been waiting to see, you know, and it's not all tele, it's not all telenovelas. It's not all just one type you I from the little bit that I've scrolled through it. It has all kinds of different genres, you know, rom-coms, different things like that. And one of the first things that I clicked on was Dia de Muertos. And um, the very interesting thing about this one particular movie is that it is an animated show. And um, it was actually Coco. Fun fact, Coco was changed, name was changed to Coco because Dia de Muertos had already had it, had already had the phrase copyrighted. So mm-hmm. if it was up to Disney they would have called uh, Coco originally Dia de los Muertos, but that, uh, but the movie already had dibs on it pretty much. Uh, basically, you'll see all your classic Mexican traditions. You'll see the alebrijes, you'll see, you know, the altars, different things like that. But uh, this story follows this girl named Salma, who is basically a 16-year-old orphan that never knew her parents. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that she wants more than anything else is to be able to build an altar so she can honor them and so she can get to know them and so she can know where she, where she comes from. Basically, her foster mom or her foster grandma it doesn't allow her, she says, uh, for reasons that I can't explain. Just never, ever build an altar to your parents. You know, they left you. Why would you ever want to get in contact with them? And so her and her two friends, uh, Jorge and whatever his name is, basically go on to this adventure to figure out where her parents are, if they're really dead, or if they just abandoned her. And uh, so, yeah, like, comedy and beautiful animation ensues in this Dia de Muertos that most people haven't heard about. So it's a, a recent release, too. So I, I really enjoyed it. 
Uh, I haven't finished watching it just yet, uh, but I'm over halfway through with it, and I really like the comedy that they like weave into this. And I really, I really feel like I've found a hidden gem, not just in this movie, but in the streaming service. And uh, I definitely give it like a solid seven out of ten Veronica stars. Ooh, okay. So mine is probably the furthest thing from anything Halloween, Dia de los Muertos related. Uh, Fair enough. We need the contrast, so give it. Yeah, to me. yeah. So you know, I'm all over the place. Despite what the holiday could be, I'm always you know watching whatever I want, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I stumbled back into. Uh, anime. I've kind of been off by anime, not because I, I'm doing it on purpose. Just you know, sometimes I just don't have the time to yeah. to watch what I want. I have a I have a long watch list. Jesus, I have such so I'm many still anime. I'm going to get you to watch Neo Yokio, but yes, that's an argument for another day. My 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 pretentious uh, anime snobbiness is like. Com- that's why you should watch that. It's the pinnacle of pretentious snobbiness. No, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm that. I don't want to watch a show about that. I, that's just me, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I stumbled across a show, and not not really stumbled. I, I, it's a pretty big show at this point. It came out at, during the summertime, during the summer uh, anime uh, releases. It's called a uh, rent, rent, rent a girlfriend, mm-hmm. and. For those who know what a... Do you know what a harem is? Yeah. A harem? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, for those who don't know, you know, a harem is usually consists of a... Of one... One, uh... One male protagonist, and then... Around him is... Um... Maybe three, four, or five girls. That they're all kind of, like, fighting to, to be with him. Uh-huh. Is that what you call a harem? I thought that was like uh like a, a gang circle of sorts. Are, are we sure we're talking about the same yeah. thing? Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's okay. a that's a harem. I don't know okay. what you were thinking. Okay, probably so. Get your mind out of the gutter, Veronica. Okay, yeah. all right. No, 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 a harem is you know uh that's usually what it is. It's it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a group of girls who are pretty much just chasing the affection of the male protagonist, and to a lot of you know, and I saw the face you made. There's a lot of people who aren't—they're not really the biggest fans of a uh, of the type, of that type of um—I don't even call it a genre. Yeah, it's more of like a trope. But the way that this show did it really caught me by surprise because the the harem thing is a very big uh thing within anime. It's been done several several times from Love Hina, Chobits, um. Just even some of the biggest animes you know, you know, have elements of like being a harem. Uh, but of course, because it's a male freaking fantasy. But yeah, continue. It is. I mean, yeah, and that's why a lot of people don't really like it because it's always so. There's a lot of things within harem that constantly happen, like you know, the liar reveal, the liar reveal trope. The mm-hmm. oh, um, the 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 male protagonist gets caught, you know, accidentally. Uh, looking at uh, the girl while they were like in a like they were maybe nude or something like that, and they get like mm-hmm. punched to they get punched to like you know oblivion, you know stuff mm-hmm. like that. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things within here. I'm like <laughs> that, that, there's a lot of things within here and people don't like. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But this one, like I said, really took me by surprise because it did a lot of the traditional harem things, but it and it did it in such a way that just worked. Like you could you could clearly tell what. So. It, let me let me explain some of the some of the plot right quick. So this is about a, a boy named Kazuya, and he's recently been dumped by his girlfriend. I think this was like his first girlfriend he ever had. So you know he's been dumped and he's kind of falling into like this depression where you know 
he's just alone. He feels like he'll never find anybody. So he decides to rent a girlfriend. You know, in Japan, it's kind of like, and this happens in Japan where you kind of like, there's these services where you can like pretty much pay. Yeah. Pay, no, not even an escort. No, this is like it's like no sex or anything like that. You literally pay, and you they assign you this girl. You know, I, I think you actually you could pick. There's kind of like apps and stuff like that available. You pick the girl, and you guys go out like on a date, and she treats you like if you were like boyfriend and girlfriend. You guys go out, you know, you guys hold hands out in public. You guys go to like a dinner, go to a movie. She laughs at your jokes and all that. Like it's like supposed to be like like ego very, talking all day, all day, yeah, every day. Yeah, but you're paying her. And, uh, you know, at, at the, at the end of the day, at the end of the date, um, you know, she says goodbye and that's it. Mm-hmm. But he, he, uh, he, he meets up with this one girl for, from the, from the rent a girlfriend service. And somehow they kind of get involved in a very closer relationship than they assumed that they thought was going to happen. And they kind of have to like navigate kind of like a little bit of a lie to try to put, try to put up like a front because his family kind of always viewed him as kind of like a, like a loser and never really saw him as like getting like a girl. So, and his, and his grandma, especially his grandma was like super ecstatic. that he finally got like a very, very beautiful girl to be with him. So they're kind of put up this lie where he's, she's like playing along and like actually acting in front of his family. Like he's like, she actually is his girlfriend. So, so far it sounds like the plot to every Hallmark Christmas movie where, you know, the girl uh, basically kidnaps. Literally that is Melissa Joan Hart. And uh, what's his face from Saved by the Bell did this exact movie, uh, but for Christmas. But yes, yes, yes. What, what do you mean? What do you mean kidnap? There's no kidnapping here. Oh well, I mean, Melissa Gilmore <laughs> ended up uh, kidnapping the Saved by the Bell guy to make uh, to force him to pretend to be her boyfriend in front of her parents so she wouldn't get humiliated by being the like the single sibling. But yeah. Oh no no no! There's no <laughs> kidnapping. It's pretty much like a it's, it was kind of like a last desperation kind of a thing because his grandma, mm-hmm. like I said, was so so enamored and he didn't plan for it to be like this it was just you know he thought it was a good idea to bring her to like the hospital because his grandma was like sick or something and thought it was a good idea to bring her and you know when they when their family saw her they just you know just correctly assumed like oh this is your girlfriend and you know of course the worst part about this, this show is, is the protagonist is kazuya because he cannot do anything right and he's constantly you know making things difficult for himself when they shouldn't be this difficult like mm-hmm. things are like literally handed to him on a silver platter and all he has to do is just eat whatever's on there. But he just always finds out a way to mess it up. And that's the most frustrating thing about the show. Like besides that, everything else is great. The music is great. The animation is great. The dialogue is great. And, and you could clearly tell that, um, oh, what's her name? I'm trying to think of the, the protagonist's name right now. It's, um, uh, oh, Chizuru. Chizuru, she's the, she's the uh, the main uh, love interest, so to speak, and um, you can clearly tell that she's best girl in this anime. Like like without a doubt, she is best girl. Do you know what that means? Do you know what? No, I don't. You know, so here's another thing in anime. So an anime usually in harems or like a cast in an anime where like uh, a big cast of the a big cast of the characters is like a lot of girls. Anime fans will usually have a best girl they'll pick who they like out of the show uh, the most. So, and the, you know, that, and that can kind of turn into like your waifu kind of thing. So that's your waifu mm-hmm. now. That's, that's, like that's the reality anime. show, yeah, like yeah. This, this anime character gets this rose, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this is who I love out of the show. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's always this, this constant battle in the anime community of like who's best girl. 
you know, when it comes to certain shows, it's just overall. There's some people like, no, this is best girl. Nobody uh, in the whole uh, pantheon of anime is better than this girl right here. And I, I bring that up to say because in this in this show, and it's rare, but she is clearly, you know, miles ahead of the rest. And she she clearly is best girl. You know, some of the other girls on the show are pretty are pretty cute, and they're pretty uh, good characters. But there's, and there's also like some of them that are kind of like just kind of shoehorn in there. It's still a good episode, but they're only in there for like one episode. Mm-hmm. And I wish we could have had more screen time with them because they were like uh, they were like a, a cool girl, and you know, you wish you could see a little bit more development development instead of it being so shoehorned in. But regardless, uh, the show only has twelve episodes. It ended kind of abruptly, but hopefully they do. They make up for what what needs to be filled in in season two, because I, I think there should be a season two. Uh, but it's a great show. Like I said, if you're a fan of if you're a fan of rom coms and anime, and you're looking for something that's a little bit more nuanced instead of like falling into the usual tropes, I would definitely recommend this. It's a it's a very sweet anime as well, and it does bring up a lot of uh. It gets real. It gets real a lot of times, you know. It does. It 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 did uh, have some conversations and dialogue in there that you don't normally see from these type of anime that just wasn't so corny, you know, so to say. So I give it a, I give it a nine, man. I give it a nine out of ten. Wow, that's hella high, especially when you uh when you're talking about like females going up against one man, you know, how original can that plot line be? That's all. That, those are heroes, man. That's that's. <laughs> I mean, it's, such, okay. it's such a thing. Right. I've watched, there's so many. See, you're acting like this is like a new thing. The hero's been it's around not forever. A new, but that's that's a fucking problem. It's not a new thing. It's an outdated ass concept that like no, I don't see why we should be interested in that anymore. But you know, uh-huh. like the fact that you say that there's nuanced conversations about it does make me intrigued to see exactly what could be in this anime beyond you know. Who's the best girl for this one really inept guy that doesn't seem to be able to grasp the simple ass concept of eating off of the tray that's given to him? Yeah, you know, uh, uh, he's a he's a lost cause. Ho- may hopefully they make up for that in the in the, uh, in second. the second. And, yeah. and I and I, yeah. and I think I, I think I read somewhere in the in the manga in, in the manga where it was adapted from that you know he gets a lot more development. Anime but, ladies, think more of yourself. Just, just think more of yourself. That's did all you, I'm saying. Fictional fe- characters I've never met. Think more of yourself. I'm about to say, did you just say, did you just tell fictional uh, yes. characters yes, to think? Yes, I did. Woman up. Okay, best girl. Oh my gosh. No, no, no. But I feel you. I feel you. I feel like we're entering an era that's uh, gonna be really promising for animation, like at like uh, obviously anime and like regular animation as well. Um, but because I actually have a lot of shows in my lineup that um. There, I'm really excited to do on the next couple of good looking, uh, good looking outs, and uh, they're almost all of them are animated, so I'm really excited about that. Um, yeah, I mean, to me, anime has always been very, uh, to me, it's always been very diverse and open when it comes to mm-hmm. like the female representation, because there's plenty of animes out there where oh the yeah, fe- yeah. The, the female is you know clearly you know kicking ass, being represented well, but then you also have some where it's like just volleyballs. And it's just them playing in the bikini <laughs> the whole show, which I've definitely yeah. watched. I definitely mm-hmm. watched a, a volleyball anime. Yeah, if uh, only we had the male equivalent of that, okay? And then we'll talk. We'll talk. Oh, they're 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 reverse herons. They're they're mm-hmm. reverse herons. You ever seen Free? No. You ever seen Free? That's that's a that's a that's an all guy swim team. 
it's all guys just swimming. Very, very sexy and prerogative. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm telling you, 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 you can't try to put me in this like box where it's like just g- girls being exploited. No, anime has everything. Okay, like, it, okay, it, it, I'll, I'll believe you. I'll believe you. I have to check some of that out then. There's, pr- uh, there's, pr- there's plenty of that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exploitation for all, okay? We're equal opportunity exploiters. Yes, everybody's being exploited. Yes. There you go. There you go. Okay, well, that about wraps it up. On that note, we are about wrapped up for this week. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we will see you next week on the In Living Spanglish podcast.